Hey guys, welcome to the Journey of Ruth Discipleship Podcast, where we encourage listeners to love Jesus, study his word, and reach others. I'm your host, Courtney Lohman. Well, I am excited today to be talking about the number one question that I get anytime that I speak anywhere about discipleship, uh, whether it's in the question and answer session, whether it's after all of the sessions are over, or I even had one lady come up to me at the meal break and say, I need to know the answer to this question because I can't continue on until I know. So it's obviously important and I'm excited to address it in today's episode, which is another venture into our Discipleship Defined series. Now, before we move on, I want to make sure that you know about our Bible journal for busy women. I know that right now a lot of us have uh, New Year's resolutions or goals that we are working towards. And I would bet to say that a large percentage of people listening to this right now probably have reading scripture engaging with the Bible and with the word in some way on that list of goals. Maybe you've sat down here in these last few weeks and thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to stick with my intentions. Here we go. We're going to start reading scripture. And immediately what pops into your head is that to-do list, that list of things that needs to get done. Well, it was a moment just like that, that caused my friend Valerie Pierce and I to create the Bible journal for busy women. We know that that to-do list is a very real thing and it's always kind of right there in the front of your head. So we wanted to create a place where your Bible study reflections, your scripture meditations, that daily to-do list, and even your weekly and monthly goals could live seamlessly in one place in a book that's small enough that you could slip into your purse and take along with you for the day. Women are using the Bible Journal for Busy Women and they are loving the format and they're finding it very helpful. They can simply add things that pop into their head, things that need to happen that day over on the to-do list on the left-hand side of the page and then continue on the right-hand side of their page in what's going on in their scripture reading and how God is speaking to them. The Bible Journal is available right now over at journeyofruth.com, and it just became available in paperback and hardback. Previously, we only had the hardback version, but now we have both of them available for purchase. So that really gives you options now. So please go get one for yourself. Go get one for your friends. And later, I think they will thank you for helping them stick with their New Year's resolutions. Well, let's move on to this number one question that I get asked. So the question is, what is the difference between mentorship and discipleship? Sometimes also thrown in there will be coaching or uh, counseling. What's the difference between all of these different avenues in which people basically get advice? And for me, I do use the words mentoring and discipleship kind of interchangeably throughout my talks, and I'll explain why a little bit later towards the end, but the three that I hear compared are coaching, mentoring, and discipleship, and so those are the three we're going to talk about today. Now, they really aren't horribly different. It's not like, how could you not know the difference? (laughs) And they have some very specific similarities. They are 
two people, usually sometimes small groups, but most of the time two people that are meeting together. Usually those two people have something in common. It's not like you're going to go and be in a mentor relationship with somebody who doesn't have anything in common with you. And then often within that relationship, you're going to have an older woman and a younger woman, or you're going to have someone who's teaching something and you're going to have someone who's there to learn something. And you know, if you've been listening to these Discipleship Defined uh, episodes, you will know that I don't think that the discipleship relationship always has to be teacher-student. So more on that later. (laughs) But here's the one big difference between all three. And the biggest difference is the motivation behind what you're saying and the desired outcome. That's the difference. So they look very similar until you get to the motivation and the desired outcome. So keep that in your mind as we dive in to these three different types of relationships and and what's different about them. For each one, I'm going to give you a definition of what it includes. I'm going to give you a description of what the coach, mentor, or discipler uh, usually does in that type of relationship. And then I'm going to give a basically what the expected outcome usually is for that type of relationship. Um, so those are the three things we're going to talk about for each one. So we're going to start with coaching. Coaching is a word that I hear everywhere because there's lots of different trainings. Um, and people are realizing that the expertise that's in their head is actually worth something. Now, I want to start with the actual like Merriam-Webster's definition. The first uh, version is to instruct, direct, or prompt as a coach. Okay. The second is to train intensively. And I thought, yeah, that sounds right. If you think about if you hire a coach or if you have a coach come in and work with your team, it's usually for a short time and it's really intense. You get deep, you get there fast, and you guys are going to do a lot of work in a small amount of time. And so that word intensive, I was like, yeah, that rings true when it comes to coaching. Now, the International Coaching Federation defines it as this, partnering with clients in a thought-provoking and creative process that inspires them to maximize their personal and professional potential. The process of coaching often unlocks previously untapped sources of imagination, productivity, and leadership. So you can see that coaching kind of has this general uh, sweeping definition of like, hey, you can get coaching in basically every area of life. But the one term that I hear that at the beginning is coaching is partnering with clients. So that's one of the biggest differences that we're going to see is who are the two people that are meeting? And when it's coaching, it's usually a coach and a client, someone who's actually paying for the knowledge that this uh, coach has to share. The the coach's goal is often to make them a better team member, um, to be more successful in whatever role, specific role they're being hired um, to work with. Um, They're there to help them get to their goals faster. And um, that's whether it's professional or personally. Now, when I think of a coach, the business coach, there's a lot of business coaches out there, um, an entrepreneurial coach. Um, but there's even things like a, a marriage coach, a mothering coach, 
a mom coach, <laughs> um, someone that can help come in and, and help you with your parenting, someone that can help you in your marriage. Yes, these are all available and they're helping you reach the goals you have in those areas faster. And that comes with that intensity that we talked about is, hey, we're going to figure out where you're at, where you want to be, what your goals are and how you're going to get there and how you're going to get there quickly. And could you get there without your coach? Probably. But the coach has that knowledge to be like, no, don't try that. Don't do that. Here's what you need to do. I think about that. That's why we hire personal trainers. <laughs> it's like we can all go to the gym and probably figure out something to do and probably do just fine, lose weight, maybe get a little stronger. But we can also maybe go to the gym and end up wasting our time because we don't know what to do. And we don't know how to build muscle quickly, how to lean up quickly. Uh, and we can also go and do, you, you've seen those videos. You've seen those videos online of um, people using gym equipment incorrectly. Like they're, they're, they just went up to this and they're like, hey, I think this is how I use it. And it looks so wrong. Anyway, <laughs> I'm thinking about that. And a coach would be the one that sits you down and says, here's how you use this machine. Here's how you use these weights. And here's how you do it correctly. And don't injure yourself or anyone else around you <laughs> in the gym. So sometimes a coach is so helpful. Now, who are these coaches? Well, they possess a knowledge and skills that build the capacity of an organization or a person, but they have pursued schooling or training for this knowledge. Sometimes I see coaches, it's just because they've been doing the thing for 50 years and they don't have a degree, but they have a lot of like knowledge that gives them the ability to charge you money for that knowledge that's inside their head. I think about that like grandmas. Grandmas could totally like charge people money to say, I'm going to teach you how to fix a button. I'm going to teach you how to um, make a pie. I'm going to teach you how to um, clean your house all just with a bottle of vinegar <laughs> and not have to buy all that super expensive stuff. Uh, anyway, I, I think grandmas have a lot of knowledge in that head of theirs. And that's why mentoring and discipleship where you're not, um, where you're not paying for that knowledge is such a, I think a, a life hack because they could charge us hundreds of dollars for that life experience that's in there. Um, back to coaching. So what's happening during that time together? We know who the coaches are and the knowledge that they have, but what happens when you're actually together? Well, during that time, a coach is going to model and facilitate best practices to achieve desired outcomes with their clients. So a, co a coach lives out what they preach. They show examples of, hey, I did this and this is what happened. I did this and this is what happened. One was positive, one is negative. Which would you like? <laughs> You're like, I'll take the positive. Thank you very much. And they help you reach a defined end goal. They help you um, to really think about the steps. One of the things that I'm really good at is knowing where I want to go. What I'm not great at is defining the steps A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And I was just talking to a friend and I said, you know, I need people with me that are going to help me know that the reason why I feel like I'm a hamster spinning on a wheel is because I'm working on steps X, Y, Z without trying to do steps A, B, C. And so I'm on the spinning wheel because I haven't set the foundation to have success or uh, make 
my life easier. So a coach is someone that can help with that. The end result of a coach is to help the client set and accomplish goals by setting up clear steps, clear action steps, helping them learn more about their own potential and setting a positive example using best practices. If you are in the business world, the words best practices are everywhere, right? Education world, they're everywhere. Basically, things that work and things that don't. Best practices, what are the things that work really well? And they're going to help you identify those without you having to figure it out on your own through trial and error. The end goal is to make the client a better version of themselves. And the wisdom primarily comes from the coach and sometimes from self-reflection exercises. Sometimes coaches will use um, those types of exercises to help a client know what they already own what they already have, and what they need to acquire as far as skills or knowledge. Okay, so that's a coach. Now, what is a mentor? A mentor is a trusted counselor or guide. So now we're not just getting um, client um, uh, count, client um, coach relationship. We're getting trusted advisor. So maybe this is somebody you know. Or maybe it's someone that you're coming to upon the recommendation of somebody that you really trust. It's like, hey, I trust her, so you should trust her. The World Education Services gives this definition. It says, a mentorship is a relationship between two people where the individual with more experience, knowledge, and connections is able to pass along what they have learned to a more junior individual within a certain field or area of life. The more senior individual is the mentor and the more junior individual is the mentee. I always think that's a funny word, mentee. So we've got mentors who are the older um, person in the relationship and then mentee who are the more junior people within a relationship. Now, mentoring is often um, a relationship where people are entering it willingly. Coaching, sometimes it's like, I don't really want this, but I need it mentoring, you're going saying, yeah, I want and need this. (laughs) And so I'm going to find someone that can pour into my life through the the avenue of mentorship. This person is going to be someone who knows more than the mentee does um, with the goals of meeting, including anything between personal growth. It could be career development and goals. Sometimes you can find business mentors that aren't going to charge you like a coach might. They're just going to mentor you. Uh, organizational help, life advice, or directions in an era, in like a particular area of life. We talked about parenting and uh, marriage. We have marriage mentors in our life, and that's what they do for us. They help us when we need marriage advice. So mentorship can happen in both a formal and an informal capacity where going back to coaching, that usually happens in a very formal setting. It usually happens... Um, on a particular date, at a particular time, there's a start time, there's an end time, and there's may- there's usually even like we're going to meet three times at the end. Mentoring is usually a little more informal, though it can be in a formal situation if it's done within like a um, an organization. Maybe you have a mentor that you've been paired with within an organization. It can happen in a formal way as well, but it's also usually volunteer and not paid. We're coaching. It's usually a paid position. Hi, I'm Valerie Pierce. 
And I'm Courtney Lohman. And we are the creators of the Bible Journal for Busy Women. Have you ever heard it said that women's brains are like spaghetti and men's brains are like waffles? It's hard for us as women to separate out the different areas of our life. And our brain contains everything all in one space. But then it can be hard when we ask our brains to concentrate on just one thing, like our Bible study time. Have you ever been sitting down to read your Bible and right about the time you read your second verse, that pesky to-do list starts popping up in your head? That bill you need to pay, the errand you need to run, the birthday party coming up, the shopping list, etc. Your brain begins to think about everything except that Bible that's open right in front of you. It was a moment like this which led to the creation of the Bible Journal for Busy Women. What if there was one space where your Bible study reflection, your scripture meditation, your daily to-do list, and your weekly and monthly goals could live seamlessly together on one page inside of a beautiful Bible journal that's small enough for you to take on the go? Those that have used the Bible journal for busy women have found that the setup is super helpful. Anything that pops up in their head, they just drop it onto the left side of the page in that to-do list, which allows them to quickly return back to their time with God, knowing that that list is going to be there when they're done. This ensures that nothing pops into your head that gets forgotten or dropped. The Bible Journal for Busy Women is available now for pre-order at both journeyofruth.com and kindredandco.com. Order one for yourself, and this would make a great gift for the busy women in your life. What a blessing it is to be able to set the busyness aside and give our full hearts and focus to the Lord. Be sure to order yours today. Okay, so mentors are often speaking from a place of experience and knowledge instead of a training and certification. They didn't get this knowledge from, um, and, and maybe part of their knowledge was from a training um, or from a certification program. But then they have built on that to create their own experience that they now want to share. And so I like to say they learned from the School of Hard Knocks. They learned from the school of life and they've got a lot to share uh, because it's more than anything you can learn from a classroom. I have a degree in music education and I had the blessing of doing my student teaching with a wonderful choir director here in the Phoenix area. And one of the things that was amazing was just watching her do things that were they, they never taught us in school. <laughs> it was great to just kind of watch her and learn from her and see the the things that the kind of the, what wisdom she was able to share with me that I never could have found in a textbook right and that's because she and so I that was an example of I was paired with a mentor teacher someone who has that wisdom to share with a new choir director like myself so the solutions that a mentor offers is based on the needs of the mentee. And so when we think about what is going to happen within a mentor-mentee relationship and their time together, it's kind of based on whatever that, that training is that that mentee needs. So for me, I needed training on how to be a successful choir director. And so she walked through um, kind of the processes of the classroom. And for the first, like I was there for six months. So um, for the first half of it, I was observing a lot. I was looking at what she did. I, I watched how the kids responded to her. Um, she would give me little things to do and, um, and then see how I handled those and, and then provide feedback for me. Then towards the second half, then she literally was like, okay, this choir is yours. She gave me the junior high choir. 
if you know anything about junior high. <laughs> I was like, wow, you really are giving me the challenge, aren't you? You're not giving me the high schoolers. This program was a junior high high school program. You're not giving me the high schoolers like, hey, yeah, they're and I know maybe some of you think that high schoolers are really difficult. I actually really love working with high schoolers and um, <laughs> junior hires a little iffy. Um, and so she's like, junior high choir, all yours. Their last con concert is all yours. You're going to prepare them, them for the music and everything. And I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> and we had a great time. Me and those junior hires, we bonded. We had a great time. Um, but she didn't, some days she left me alone within that classroom. And she went into the, the attached office and just kind of sat there listening, um, and then other days she would sit and watch what I did. And then, um, but before I even got to get in front of those kids each day, she wanted to know what my plan was and what my goals were for that day and what I wanted to achieve with that crazy group of junior hires. And, um, and then I would do that. And then at the end of the day, we would talk. What did you accomplish today? What didn't you accomplish? Why don't you think you accomplished that? And so uh, in that, that was like a coaching moment for her to say, okay, I think you planned too much for the day, or I don't think you utilized your time well, or you let the kids be more of a distraction than they needed to be. And you needed to have a little bit better cl classroom discipline. So th this is my experience, but I think that it kind of shows this whole mentorship idea um, is providing feedback and in a mentorship situation, it is feedback that has grown, feedback from wisdom that has grown from experience instead of feedback that has been given from a classroom or a program of some kind. So I want to say that coaching, coaching programs are everywhere. C programs work great for coaching. Mentorship starts to kind of move to the side where maybe a program doesn't work as well. It can maybe introduce you guys, but where like you go as a pair is probably going to um, depend on e each of you as individuals, what the mentor is willing to share and what the mentee uh, is looking to, to learn in that relationship. Um, the end result of a mentor-mentee relationship is helping a mentee work through struggles in a particular area of struggle that the mentee has identified or that the mentor has observed. So sometimes you might have someone come to you and say, hey, I noticed that you're really struggling with this. Would you maybe want some mentorship here? Because I feel like I have some stuff to offer. So once again, a particular area. Mine was being a choir director. Yours might be um, organizing your home or um, being a godly uh, mother or wife, or maybe it is um, what you need to do um, in order to um, to reach the goals that you want to in your professional life. You want to be a CEO eventually, and so you've got someone that's going to help mentor you to the point where you can can find that. Maybe you're an entrepreneur and you've got all of these great ideas, but how to get them to the point where they're actually a business boggles your mind. And so you need someone to come and mentor you as an entrepreneur on how you can take those ideas to actual action points. Um, so it is 
the end result is that this mentor is helping the mentee in an, a particular area. And the mentor offers advice acquired primarily from experiences in their personal life and maybe some small amounts uh, from schooling or training that they participated in. And those mixed with the personal experience are gold. The end goal is to help the mentee become a stronger version of themselves and make better decisions in every aspect of their life, starting with this one particular aspect of their life. So there's coaching and there's mentoring. And now we're going to get to discipling. How is discipling different? Well, I will tell you that mentoring and discipling um, are very, very similar. And so right here, I'm going to tell you why do I use the two terms kind of interchangeably when I'm speaking, partially because discipling the word, like, are you being discipled or I am discipling someone? A lot of people don't know what that means. And so since they have no definition for it, I say, oh, um, we're going to be, you know, doing this conference on discipleship. And they're like, oh, that's not something I do. And I'm like, really? You don't have anyone in your life that you're mentoring. Oh, yeah, I have a couple girls that I mentor. Right. Okay. So (laughs) they're so close that really the church has just kind of adopted the word mentoring in the place of discipleship. So if they're that similar, that the, the words are used interchangeably, are they not the same thing? In my opinion, they are not. And people, some people will say, yes, they're the same. And some people will say, no, they're not the same. But I think there's one big difference. And it goes back to the beginning where I said, it's all about what is the purpose of you meeting. And that's the difference between mentorship and discipleship. I would not say that my mentor teacher discipled me because discipleship has one thing different from mentorship and you'll hear it in these definitions. So Mary Webster says, one, a disciple is one who accepts and assists in spreading the doctrines of others, such as Christianity. It's also one of the 12 in the inner circle of Christ's followers, according to the gospel accounts. So we know that a disciple... He had 12 disciples and we see that all over. So basically it is a person who accepts and assists in the spreading of doctrine, which I love about that because what we know about discipleship is that it is twofold. Discipleship is about us learning more about our faith in Christ, but it's not discipleship if it ends there. Because then you get the second part of the definition, which says assists in spreading. So what does it mean? Okay, I've been discipled, so now I'm supposed to assist in spreading. We'll get there. Campus Crusade for Christ, also known as CRU, uh, describes discipleship as this. It's a journey of intentional decisions leading to maturity in your relationship with Jesus so that you become more like him in your attitudes, focus, and ultimately behavior. So the goal of discipleship is not just maturity of the person, but also the maturity of the whole believer. So it's not just about becoming a better person, which that's great, but it's about your relationship with Christ and your maturity in your relationship with him. It's about your Bible reading. It's about your prayer. It's about how you're responding to those around you and whether or not that meets up with how God asks us to respond in scripture. Um, It's about how you're making choices in your life and how scripture tells us we're supposed to make choices in our life. Every part of our life is going to begin to change when we are truly being a disciple of Christ. 
every part. Now we can focus on a particular part for a small amount of time. And I've done that many times when I've discipled people. You know, right now my finances are out of whack. Cool. Let's let's work on building a budget and let's work on uh, what it looks like to be a good steward um, and what it looks like to save some of that money and how we tithe is a thing. We need to get that in there. And so we maybe for a couple of weeks focus on that. And then we're back to talking about um, the person that sits next to her in the cubicle next to her um, and how they've had some really great spiritual conversations and she's not really sure what to do about that. See how there's like different, I want to, I want to say it's like a uh, prism, you know, like you hold the prism up to the light and there's all these different sides to the prism. And that's what makes this beautiful light shine out. And so when it comes to discipleship, it's not just about Bible reading. And if that's what we think discipleship is, we've missed all of these other beautiful sides of discipleship that make it shine so beautifully into the light. Discipleship is about helping people become more mature as a person, but also as a follower of Christ. Their their choices, their community, their attitude, their goals, everything is involved. Now, who is the discipler? Well, we you know, if you've listened for long enough, I don't think that they have to be a teacher. But a discipler is a person who doesn't necessarily speak from a place of expertise. And that's what we said about mentors. And that's what we said about coaches is that they are people who have an expertise that they are passing on to someone. Here's the difference between mentorship and discipleship. A discipler is someone who is speaking not from a place of expertise, but from a place of experience. And this is why I think so many people get scared when it comes to discipleship is because they don't feel like they have reached the level of expert. I'm an expert Christian. I am an expert wife. I am an expert mother. And they're like, how can I help a young mom when I myself am not an expert mom? Because it's not about expertise. It's about experience. And that's what we have to remember when we are doing discipleship is that if we have that experience and we are willing to share that experience, the Lord can really use that to change someone else's life in the form of discipleship. Now, I will say that once you've stepped into the role of discipler, it is important that you are continuing your own growth. So once you're sharing this experience in the form of discipleship, it doesn't mean, well, now my experiences are done and now I'm just passing them on to the next generation. I want to say that it's important that if you are putting yourself into the role of discipler or even mentor, you are putting yourself into a position that scripture says is more difficult than um, just being a person out there living our lives with no one else to think about, right? It says that those that teach will be held to a higher standard. Oh, that makes me nervous, Courtney. Well, yes, I know. But since it's experience and we don't have to have all of the answers because we're not an expert, what that means is that we just have to continue to grow ourselves. We have to continue to stay in the word. We have to continue to be praying. We have to stay in community. We ourselves need to be continually discipled. So even though I am discipling young women, I have women that disciple me. I have women that point out, Courtney, you're doing these things incorrectly, but hey, you're doing these things great. So good job biggest cheerleaders, but can we point this out? (laughs) So 
it's our job to make sure that our experience continues to develop. And the things that I'm experiencing now will help a woman maybe five years down the road when I'm ready or when God puts me into their life and, and it's time for me to share what I'm experiencing now with them. So the solution that the discipleship offers is the opportunity to mature in, it gets real specific here, in your faith and becoming more like Christ, which as we already said in the definition part, affects every part of your life. If you are looking to become mature in your faith and your walk with Christ, it's going to affect your work. It's going to affect your attitude and your mood. It's going to affect your marriage and the way you parent, the way you spend your money. It is going to affect every part of your life if you are truly finding maturity in your faith. It's going to help you. Uh, I loved one of the things on the the um, the crew website that it also mentioned. I was like, oh, that is a really good point. Uh, it said that the opportunity to mature in your faith and becoming more like Christ um, is in discipleship. We connect to other followers of Jesus and protect and they help protect us from false views of God, Satan's attempts to isolate us with our own thoughts and feelings, and constantly shifting ideas of culture. Which isn't that true. One of our past guests described culture as a river. And if you do not have a good foundation, that river, it's ever-changing and it will sweep you up. And there is no security found in using culture to decide how you should act, how you should dress, what should happen in your life. No, because culture is constantly changing. Instead, we need these uh, people around us to help us stand steady when Satan tries to throw things our direction or culture changes and it upsets our life in, in some way. So it's based both on the spiritual needs of people. And then I also think there is personal needs uh, that come along with that. Um, things like I am struggling um, with this point of um, anxiety and depression, and I'm not really sure what to do about that. Or, uh, you know, my mom died and I'm really struggling with grief right? That's, that's one area where I have had wonderful people come in and talk with me is in, in dealing with grief with my mom. And they've been wonderful to point out things of like, Hey, did you ever think about that? That feeling of maybe anxiety that you're having or that frustration is actually grief kind of coming out a little bit. Oh, I hadn't considered that. Um, so it's spiritual and it's personal. There are a couple of verses that I wanted to just bring here because I thought, okay, this this gives us an idea. Um, we know that we're going to have struggles in our life, right? John, uh, John 16, 33 says, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Um, of course, thankfully, he ends that with, but take heart because I have overcome the world. But sometimes when we're in the middle of that trial, those trials and sorrows, we need a reminder from someone that, hey, remember, he overcame the world. He, he tells us to take heart. So we need to be reminded of that. Ephesians 4, 14 through 16, it says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. When I read that, I think, oh, there's that river of culture, how it's ever changing. And, and he's saying, no, we're, we're no longer going to be the people that are like, oh my gosh, I can't 
well, today this is important and today this is infuriating, but now we don't care about that anymore. Now we care about this. He's saying, no, we are no longer going to be the people that are that are thrown around by that. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament. So we are not meant to be on our own anyway. We were never meant to stand in that river of culture and say, I can do this on my own. That was never the point. The point was always to stand as a body of Christ, to stand together and support one another. And so I I want you to hear that, that, um, we were always meant, there was always going to be troubles in life, and we we're always meant to lean on one another when those troubles came. Now, I do want to make sure that I, sh- that I share the one point about discipleship that I think is different from coaching and mentorship. In coaching, I'm going to somebody saying, I've got this issue, and I need you to help me, me, to figure out what the next step is and how I can achieve that. Mentorship says, hey, I need some wisdom and some advice in this area of my life to figure out how I can do better and how I can achieve or succeed in this area. Discipleship says, hey, I need some guidance in this area of my life. And because I'm a Christian, I would like biblical guidance and to understand how I can serve God amongst the struggle that I'm going through or the uncertainty, whatever it is. How does God want me to respond to this uncertainty as opposed to uh, how the world might respond to it? Okay, but here's the part that discipleship isn't finished. Discipleship is not complete until you get to the second part of discipleship, which is... That those that are discipled, if they are discipled well and they become mature Christians, their discipleship is not complete until they go and begin to disciple others. Mentorship, you can be mentored and then never mentor anybody. You can hire a coach to come in and help. That doesn't mean that you now have to go and coach people. But scripturally, it says the point of discipleship is to tell, is to share with others, faithful men what you have learned, so that they will go and share with faithful men. So that's the whole point is uh, reproduction. Discipleship that is effective is reproducible. And so I want to say that, that that second part, that part B, (laughs) is what is different from discipleship other than the fact that Jesus is the center of discipleship. And sometimes if people like want a 30 second answer, what's the difference between mentorship and discipleship? My answer is Jesus. It's his word. Mentorship, I can give you all the good advice in the world. But that advice has a lot more standing and a lot more of a foundation if it's I'm going to give you really good advice and I'm going to give you biblical advice at that and I'm going to tell you how Jesus is involved. And once you are strong, I'm going to encourage you to go out and reach other moms who are struggling, other CEOs that need help, other entrepreneurs that don't know what the next step is. That's on you now. 
And so if you've ever been discipled and you are not discipling someone, here's your call, here's your sign, whatever it is, to go and find someone to disciple. If you have been discipled by somebody who served in your, in, in your church at some point in time and you're not serving in your church, here's your sign. Here is your challenge to go out and find a way to make disciples in your community because you are called to that. I want to just say that in all of this, the beauty of coaching, mentorship, and discipleship is the community that's created. It is the two people walking alongside each other for a purpose. And there are so many people out there in the world that don't have, they feel very alone and they don't have anyone, or at least they don't think they have anyone to walk alongside them. And so I want to encourage you that if you are experiencing any of these three, consider yourself lucky. And I would encourage you to look for someone around you that needs that uh, relationship, needs that partnership. Um, I, all of our, uh, the resources that I used to come up with these definitions and these discussions, I am going um, to put those on um, the show notes so that you can go and look at those same resources that I looked at. So tell me what you think. Now you're like, wait a minute, what about counseling? Counseling to me is one step farther. And that is when someone is maybe you're mentoring or you're discipling someone and you're like, wow, this is, this is too much for me. I can't, I can't do much with this. And so you help them find some counseling that requires, that requires a degree. <laughs> and I think we all know when our friend is maybe to the point where they need counseling. And I think at that point, it's a great suggestion to say, Hey, have you ever considered seeing a counselor? I'm with you all the way. I'm there with you. But have you thought this is more than my degree hanging on my wall allows me <laughs> to figure out? Um, but I want to know, um, do you agree? with my definitions. I'd love to know. You can um, go to our website, journeyroot.com. You can throw your comments up there on the podcast, uh, up on the podcast page. You can email me, Courtney at journeyroothpodcast.com. Um, you can put a comment up on social media when you see the images for this uh, episode and tell me what you think if you agreed with the definitions. And here's another thing I want to ask. What questions do you have? This was obviously the number one question. and I've answered a couple other ones in this Discipleship Defined series, but what questions do you have? Maybe you have been uh, discipling for years and there's some struggles that you're like, man, I'd like some, you know, a perspective on this. Or maybe you're not sure that you're ready to disciple and you have a couple questions that you'd like encouragement on, I'd love to encourage you and I'd love to maybe even make an episode out of it if you're willing to. So email me those questions, Courtney at journeyruthpodcast.com and we will talk about them right here on the, uh, on the podcast. Join us next week. We're going to be talking with Amy Looper. And we're going to be talking about mother in the workforce, postpartum depression, and finding joy 
in motherhood. It's going to be a great conversation. Now, as you know, you can purchase your Bible journal for busy women over on our website, journeyruth.com. You can also find all of the show notes for all of our episodes, an opportunity to sign up for the podcast newsletter, links to help support the podcast, and also information on how I can bless your church or your community through speaking or teaching. This week, come by, say hi over on Facebook and Instagram, and go ahead. Tell me what you thought of this episode and what are, you know, what are your thoughts on this questions? What questions have I not answered? What were, do you agree with my definitions of coaching, mentorship, and discipleship? And please go over and give us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe on YouTube. That really does help get the podcast into new ears. We hope you guys have a great two weeks. Remember, we're now on every other week episodes, and we will see you in two weeks right here on the Journey Ruth Podcast. Thank you.